Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Bichelle Sorrow. I'm a TV host on Extra, lifestyle strategist, and author on gratitude. And I'm going to dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart-centered podcast. This show is a compilation of real talks designed to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, success. Tune in for inspirational guests who reveal the mindset required to bust through the BS that holds you back and then how to apply those tools to elevate your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. I'm really excited to share my next conversation with you. This is a real talk, and I've got to give you a bit of a disclaimer here. This is between myself and Jolyn Swafford, a dear friend of mine, but this is two adults having a very adult conversation. And I say that because some of you, if you're driving in the car, if you've got younger ears in proximity, it might be one of those conversations better left for you in privacy or amongst other adults, just saying. We do cover some very intense material. It's super important to share, and I know that it will be very healing and liberating, I'm sure, for so many. Oh my goodness. So without further ado, let's just dive right in. Please meet my dear friend, Jolyn Swafford. Hey guys, I'm so excited that you're here right now because I have been dying to get my next guest on, Jolyn Swafford is, let me just tell you, an award-winning global sales Jedi turned success coach, speaker, and leader of rock star masterminds. She's so incredible, a mom, a wife, and a natural-born encourager. And I am so happy that you're here. Welcome to the podcast, Jolyn. Uh, Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So I want to let everyone know how we met just because proximity is power. That's a term that we hear a lot. And of course, that's a very big mindset mechanic. Um, And Tony Robbins is a very big influence in my life. And I know a very big influence in your life. So through particular Facebook communities, we have access to new people from all around the world. And one of the uh, ladies in one of my masterminds that I run uh, suggested that I connect with Jolyn. She's like, you must meet her. She is your ilk, your language, your 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 tribe. And so I reached out to Jolyn. We communicated, and then we got a chance to meet in Los Angeles as you uh, were en route to Australia to yet another big, amazing uh, live event from Tony Robbins. And it was what I think our mutual friend had recommended as like her intention. It just felt really good to meet you, really natural, really right. And I love the fact that we were able to meet through such a like-minded community. Me too. I'm so glad. (laughs) It's so much fun too. You know, you get to connect with people. You're in a room of 12,000 people together and then you connect on Facebook and then, you know, within weeks you're meeting in person. So it's actually remarkable. I know it's so remarkable. And then to find out that, and and you're based in Texas and the fact that you're moving to Los Angeles this summer and not only not only LA girl, but Santa Monica, I believe, or at yes. least the West Side, which of course I'm trying to convince you to move to, to Santa Monica specifically. But so what's bringing you to the West Side of Los Angeles? Oh, wow. So, you know, you mentioned proximity is power. So, um, you know, my ideal path is to work with influencers and celebrities. So not just make my mark, but help them make their mark. Right. So Um, And then, you know, just being, you know, there are times when you, you travel all over the place and you just feel this energetic pull, like this is home. This is where I'm at my best. This is where I can't get this silly smile off of my face, like literally whenever I'm there. And I just feel like just really connected. And, and so I just, you know, my heart was calling me there and I've been in Texas pretty much my whole life. So I decided, you know, that's my next kind of growing phase. But you know, this, this show is obviously all about mindset, the tools, the techniques, the resources, the mechanics, just the sort of no limits mindset on how people get from where they once were to where they are. Not that it's perfect at all 
you know, times that are in any given moment. But when we have been able to have some traction, you can look back and connect those dots with that benefit of hindsight. So you can course correct and pivot if you get trapped in the moment. But just looking at your life from where you were and where you are now, and we're going to get through that. I just wanted to open with what do you think has been the biggest mindset shift that's allowed you to embrace where you are now, which is truly wanting to fulfill your potential and going toward manifesting your dreams, your vision? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think that mindset is kind of a journey. Like you have kindergarten, like I'm, you can decide, oh, I'm going to grow. And then you have like this kindergarten mindset and it's very elementary. It's very simple and basic and to the point. And then as you get kind of grow more um, and get, you know, just more mature and get closer to what I call enlightenment, right? Then your mindset is a little bit more obscure and complex and, you know, it, it becomes different. But like my initial, when I look back on, when I really started this shift, it was very simple. It was the mantra of, I have complete control over my mind and body. Where did you hear that, learn that? How did it download it? It downloaded um, at the Unleash the Power Within event with Tony Robbins, my first event ever. And that's kind of where it downloaded, not in those exact words and terms, but uh, while I was there, I had a moment where I decided that I was no longer going to, quote, have anxiety, that I was no longer going to, quote, have depression, and that I was no longer going to, quote, have to eat Ben and Jerry's as my next addiction after I quit drinking alcohol, right? <laughs> Did you do that? <laughs> yeah. I started eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream every night, like 1800 freaking calories. And it was so good. And even on my plane to San Jose, like I was crying because I was like, oh, I'm just going to miss my kids and my ice cream. And I was like, <laughs> oh my Lord. Your pattern, your habit, your ritual, right? That yes. made up for where you used to numb out. So you were still numbing out. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I decided, I, I just felt so empowered during that event. And I learned some, you know, tools and techniques. And I just literally, when I came home and I got on my kale diet and I quit eating Ben and Jerry's and I quit taking my anxiety meds, I was like, I would tell myself on my, those hard moments, you know, I have complete control over my mind and body. I have complete, even when I opened the pantry door so that I wouldn't eat stuff. I ate only things that were living. Um, and uh, that was my rule of thumb. If it's not alive, I'm not eating it. Interesting. So more plant-based. Yes. Yep. Plant-based. And so what are some of the results that you experienced uh, not having the ice cream? And when was that, by the way? That was November, 2016. And within 90 days, maybe even less, because I really wasn't like tracking. I wasn't doing this in an effort to like lose weight or anything. I just knew it wasn't good for me and that I wasn't going to get any smaller. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so and um, I lost 25 pounds. Oh, my goodness. In 90 days, letting go of the Ben and Jerry's at night. Yeah. And I also quit taking, I was taking um, Paxil, which is an anxiety medication. And um, I also didn't know, I, I learned in my process at, um, at the seminar that like Paxil's nickname is Pack It On Paxil. And so I don't know, you know, I'm sure it was a combination of not having that drug in my store. And so I also had this whole other thing going on that was like, you don't have anxiety anymore. That's just this bullshit thing in your head and you can overcome it. Can you take us back to where you started having the anxiety or where the ice cream started to help you feel better temporarily, which is just really numbing you out. But when that, when, when or why that happened? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's been over four years now that I've been sober. So I went from drinking, a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka <laughs> at a night to, um, you know, to basically quitting cold turkey because I was just having health problems. As you can imagine, I was like 130 pounds drinking that. And um, so my liver was failing. And, and so I had no choice but to, but to really stop. Um, and then I found though that 
um, I was missing that ritual, right? Like, what am I going to put in my hands? Like, what am I going to drink? What am I going to, what's my little snack? And so I quickly found that, you know, Ben and Jerry's was like always available and it was awesome. <laughs> and so, you know, I would make that and it was like that or gummy bears at bedtime and sugar. Yeah. Sugar. It was sugar. And that's usually what people will replace. Cause like alcohol is very high in sugar. <laughs> and so that's, it's really typical. And actually when you are withdrawing from alcohol, they'll tell you to eat stuff like dark chocolate or, you know, because it does help. But, um, and so, so yeah, I mean it, you know, the, the anxiety was always there. Like, I don't really remember not having anxiety. From the time that you were just a little girl. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the anxiety when I look back and kind of like having a mini breakthrough, but was probably just from pleasing. And yeah, I mean, when you're just constantly trying to please, you're constantly wondering if you're doing well, if you're good enough, if you're doing it the right way, if you're right, if your parents are loving you or whatever it is. And so um, I think it was always around that, that pleasing mindset. I mean, I later had a traumatic event, um, but it's, I, you know, I remember the anxiety was there before. I mean, fear is really what my anxiety was really fear-based. And what age did you start drinking excessively? When I was 14, I started drinking. Mm -hmm. Now, did that coincide or get triggered by anything in particular? You know, when I look back, yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely, um, you know, the trauma that I went through when I was 14 and definitely spiked after that, but I didn't think about it at the time. It wasn't like a known correlation, right? But now that I look back, it's about the same age. Um, and my parents always had it around. It was always, and I could sneak it and have a little, you know, they always had a stocked bar and they always had their fridge full of beer. And, you know, so I, it was always available so I could sneak it and have it. And um, I just grew up around it. So I, don't, I didn't, um, I mean, until I was 40 years old, did I ever really know what it was like to not have alcohol in my system. It was just a, a, a natural in your family. And then of course, part of it was a way of life. It was absolutely. It was a part of life. It was a part of our social as part of even my second marriage. You know, it was like, that's, you know, yeah. I mean, my husband also quit with me because he's a freaking rock star. <laughs> and yeah. And so we even had to get to know each other again. Right. Of course, because that's the big thing. I mean, listen, I don't drink at all either. I haven't since December, December of 2015. Um, and I, I know what that's like, you know, and I don't know what it's like to be married, but, but most first dates, for example, or getting to know you phase, or even just girlfriends getting together at happy hour, it's oftentimes under the guise of a couple of drinks. And then you think that person is so much more interesting than what they actually are when you don't have no drinks. And yes. so I loved on your website, I read that you had to learn a new social lifestyle when you quit drinking. Can you talk about that? That's, a, that's obviously a very powerful mindset. Yes, yes. Um, so initially, you know, just being honest, I really just kept to myself. You know, I stayed in my safe kind of places. Um, so, you know, I didn't go to bars obviously anymore. I mean, there's nothing to do at a bar when you're not drinking. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're just really, and then the people around, you know, it's just different. I mean, so, um, I definitely stayed in like my safe places, but, um, we would do different things. Like we would go camping and spend more time in, in nature, or, um, we spent a lot more time with our children because they were, and they became more fun and we became a lot more fun because we weren't drunk and being jerks sometimes, like we probably were to them sometimes. And, and so, um, definitely stayed more, um, more family oriented. And, you know, it's like this community of friends that we are both now, you know, in the same community of, I just love it because, you know, I didn't, you know, there are so many um, people that don't drink in this environment. Like now I feel normal. You know, I feel before I felt like an outcast. Do you know? 
what I mean? Totally. And it's so funny when you talk about the alcohol, um, once you gave it up, you're actually able to uh, be more fun, not only with your husband, but with your kids. And I think that one of the things that I used to think before I finally just let it go and alcohol just didn't agree with my body. I mean, I could drink two glasses of wine and be in bed with a debilitating hangover for two days. And then I found out it's because I have a particular uh, gene that's very rare and I've got a double copy and that can't process. So for some people, they could hear that and they're still going to drink. It's just kind of like if I found out that I was allergic to gluten, I'd probably still eat the gluten from time to time um, just because I'm so addicted. But it, for me, it was a permission slip. Just let it go and see what happens. But I do know that I used to think that people couldn't be fun and or now I'm watching people think or just project not so much anymore because that's not even my world. But what, first year out, oh, she's no fun. You can't invite her. It's like, wait a second. You're only saying that because you're drinking too much, probably. <laughs> Right, exactly. Oh, and then, you know, or you get invited to a party and then you go and then everyone's like, oh, is it okay if I drink in front of you? Because you're not drinking. And you're like, yeah, you know, go ahead. And they still feel uncomfortable and it's still kind of awkward, you know, but I found that just as in, you know, when you grow into a different group of friends, you know, you find a different community and now it's almost like not very many people drink like <laughs> in your world now. Right. Which is extremely rare to like, let's say people from your former world, but now it's commonplace. Yes. Yeah. Proximity is power. Going back to that wonderful quote by Tony Robbins. There's actually a really great quote by Ram Dass where he says, environment can be more powerful than your own will. And I love that for the positive, you know, because of course we can get caught up in some toxic things and language and all kinds of stuff, but being around the people who are big thinking and positive and optimistic and really wanting to add value and impact to people's lives, that's when I'm gravitating toward more. And it also asks me to step up, right? Even more so of into the woman that I want to be. And so meeting you, just circling back to, you know, it was very recent, by the way, it was in the last just few weeks. So this is a newer relationship, guys, um, for those of you who are listening. And yes, I got to talk this deeply and openly on a podcast. Um, why? Because when you meet people like you, and which want to share so authentically and honestly, in hopes that it might land for one person so that they can make a little shift to elevate their life. I mean, it, you almost feel like it's your duty. Would you say that's true for you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what really kind of brought us together that way was just the, our authenticity. I think we cried a couple times. You're just vulnerable, just being completely ourselves. And I think, you know, we were probably craving that, you know, that just talking to someone who was a hundred percent real. Yes. It was really beautiful. This podcast is really sort of a, um, a manifestation of me also having a massive breakthrough in a big Tony Robbins live event called Date with Destiny and where I just knew that I had so much more to give on a larger platform than the work that I had been doing or on the smaller scale. And so as I started contemplating all the different types of things that I could share and why I would share it, I thought, well, how do people do these things? How do people make these epic changes like JoLynn? How do people go and make a truly measurable impact on the lives of others? It starts with each one of our own mindsets, getting clear, directing our hearts so that we have access to our potential. And that's why I really wanted you on because I want to now just kind of go 2.0 in this conversation. And you've, you've mentioned the tragedy that happened when you were 14. And that basically takes us full circle to the Date with Destiny event that you just did literally a week and a half ago in Australia, where you had an even more epic breakthrough that's now documented on your YouTube page, which we'll direct our listener, uh, my listeners to at the end. But would it be okay to circle back to that event and how it shaped your life and where you are now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's still relatively new to, to vocalize all of this as you are, as you know. So when I was 14, I was gang raped, um, by some older boys in high school. So I was an early freshman, early my freshman year, and I was a, you know, a new school ninth grade and, um, and it wasn't even people from my high school, it was from a different high school, but, um, nonetheless, I, I remember, you know, getting invited out and, um, I snuck out of the house to go cause I wasn't even allowed to go out and, and, you know, that happened. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, it's, it's been like, I, I completely blocked it out of my mind until I was 28 years old. You're kidding. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Oh. And I actually went to therapists and things after therapist. I was actually watching an Oprah Winfrey episode and it was about date rape. And it had all these girls talking about date rape and how it was like an epiphany all of a sudden, right? That, oh, if you're on a date, it doesn't mean that you can force sex on somebody. And, <laughs> and I like was watching it and I was like, oh my, oh my God, like in all the visual, the smells, everything, like you name it, every physical aspect of what happened just came flooding back to me. And so it was, um, as you can imagine, a shock, but it also explained a lot, right? Because anyway, um, and so I went to therapist things they, and they told me they were like, well, the only way you could have really suppressed that that long is if you had been drugged or something. And so I started to feel a little better about it, you know, like no wonder, like it just, I, you know, cause the, I didn't know about, you know, the date rape drug and all of that, right? Not until this, I didn't even know any, it wasn't like, I don't even know how these, these kids must have taken like their mom or dad's pills and drugged me. I don't even know how they got it. But nonetheless, um, it was what it was. And it, all of a sudden it explained a lot of, a lot of things, you know, I was explained, um, why I was really promiscuous, you know, it explained why I struggled with intimacy with my husband. You were married to your first husband at the time? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I had, uh, yeah, so it, it's still really kind of new and like how I assess it and deal with it. But, um, I had a lot of anger inside of me, a lot of rage and anger. And I, that's where the drinking kind of just, even though it was subconscious, I had that pain in me. And I think that's where the alcoholism came from. Just numbing out, like you said, just, um, and unconscious to it. So I mean, my goodness, like I imagine that when you woke up and you became conscious to all that you had been carrying for 14 years for half of your life. I mean, did you have the thought of like, how do you get those 14 years back? Uh, um, yeah, you know, not really. I haven't really thought about that. I mean, I was always, when I discovered it, I was always more about how do I get back at them? <laughs> that was my next question. I had, I wondered if you confronted them ever. I never did. Um, even in my counseling, my therapist told me, you know, to write them a letter and let them know and FedEx it to their house. And if their wives or their mothers or whoever got it to not even worry about it and something in me the whole time, I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. And, um, so I continued to, and I'm sure that she wanted me to do that for my healing process. I had, had this, this speaking of mindset of just, I felt like I still had to protect them somehow. Like, I don't know. I found I was protecting them. I was worried what it would do to them. And I went out of this just completely not even worrying about myself. But I think that was a way of dealing. That was a coping mechanism. I can only imagine how there must have been some resonance with uh, some of what was happening um, and is happening with the Me Too movement. Yes. Yes. And, but, you know, so fortunate for me, I was so far down my journey of, you know, of processing it and handling it. Um, I was very fortunate because I think had the Me Too thing hit and I hadn't really gotten to where I was, it would have been really rough. It could have been really difficult. Because, you know, it, of the reminders and, you know, flashbacks and, you know, yeah, all of those things. So when you say where you were, but then to where you got to, how had you evolved in 2016 where you had like some of the big, big breakthroughs? But looking back on your life, Jolene, I mean, someone can do a quick Google search and see, I mean, you are a total badass in business, right? Like you've risen to the top of your field. I mean, you have won every possible award in sales, in business development. You're so well decorated. You, you have led, you know, some of the most top tier influential CEOs and business people 
around the world into their goals um, and objectives. And you are known for that. And so, you know, someone could look at your life from the outside and say, oh, she's married. She found love even a second time. She's, you know, got wonderful children. She's got incredible success. She's beautiful. She's thin. She's fit. She's healthy. She's traveling. All it was was fear. I mean, always, I just, so the way my overachieving you know, and this is like, goes back to the whole blaming eloquently, you know, the idea of blaming eloquently. So I blame this incident for my achievements in a, in a great way. But, you know, all of that achieving was just, you know, if I'm ahead, you know, if I'm just a few steps ahead, then, you know, I can't get hurt. Right. Or, um, if I'm better than those guys who did that to me, who still live in, in my hometown where I live now, um, if I'm better than them, then I'm safe from them, right? Then they can't come get me again, or they won't take me down. They won't publicly reveal what they did to me. They're in your home. They're still in your hometown. Oh, yes. See, this is just mind blowing. It is. And um, even within, you know, some of them are like friends with some of my friends, <laughs> even as adults. And so I see they're just like one degree of separation from me on my on all my social media and, and everything. After processing all that and, and waking up way past 28, right? Like almost two decades later, did you, did you then ever have a sense of confronting, but from a different mindset that I never, no. I never had while I was drinking, I was always in pain. I was always in pain. And so it was really that journey that I started of being sober <laughs> and that, you know, falling in love with myself again and not waking up with that crazy hangover every day and hating myself for what I did the night before drinking wise, you know, and, and, you know, I started to realize when I, I started to get more clear headed and more aware of my own divine kind of power. And I realized that all these years I felt like they had control over me and over, I just like had this flip in perspective and something one day just clicked and said, wait a minute, you've had control. You've had power over them this whole time. How so? Well, I thought they had power over me because they could expose me at any time. Like if they wanted to tell people what happened, like as if it was my fault, like it was, something bad. And then I realized that they've probably been worried that I was going to surface on them all these years. Of course, living in total fear. Yeah. And so when I realized that, I thought, I don't want anyone to be afraid of me because that's just not who I am. That's not the essence of who I am. Like I'm love, I'm joy, I'm gratitude. Like I don't want people to feel that. And so I just decided to, so I did find them and I emailed them at their place of work because I didn't feel like I needed to FedEx a letter to their home for their wife to get. Um, but I emailed them and I forgave them. I basically wrote in my note to them, look, this is what happened. I know it happened, period. Like, don't even try to you know, argue it. And But I realized that you've been living in fear of me all these years. And I wrote in my note to them. I said, I just wanted to let you know I release you. I'm releasing you. That is so deep and so beautiful. That is that is more than the average person can comprehend. I mean, how do you get to that place, Jolyn? I think because I just felt like in this, you know, I just felt like we all needed to be released from it and that it wasn't serving me anymore holding on to it. It just wasn't the anger. I mean, the frustration. I mean, my husband even used to walk around with their names, like on a piece of paper in his wallet, you know, like I transferred that pain to him. And then, and then I realized that I needed to tell my story publicly. And, um, I didn't give them a heads up. I was going to do that. And I've never named any names like to this day, never even named the actual school or anything. Cause there's several high schools in my, I live in a big city. Um, but, you know, I just really felt like it was just time. Like, yeah, I mean, that's all it was. Like, I was just tired of it. I was tired. You were tired of the noose around your neck and seeing the consequences, consequences um, 
of living with that pain and with that fear. Um, yeah. And then how that was actually having a ripple effect on your immediate family and then in your life. And, and then you saw that, you know, that it led you to drinking, just wanting to numb out and not be to open that up. It would be just, it would be unfathomable. Right. Yeah, exactly. Seeing it, um, you know, I just took, I kind of took the power back. <laughs> so it was a good, it, it was, it was just a good healing process for me to know that I could take the power back, but do it in a way that wasn't hurting and harming other people. Right. Exactly. Because there's one thing to take the power, to think you're taking the power back, but to really want to hurt someone or drag them through something super public and shameful. Um, but you had already owned your, your experience of those decades that had passed. Um, and you were, you were done. You had had enough. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You just get to where it's the, the, you're just tired of it. It's just so tiring to hold on to the revenge, that feeling of revenge, right? It's just exhausting. But it's slippery, right? Because, and it's so insidious, like it's also alluring and it can be addictive to hold on to that stuff because it starts to define us, which brings me to your most recent breakthrough. You're at Date with Destiny, which is Tony's big um, six-long epic transformational event. It's his favorite. It's called uh, Date with Destiny. I don't know if I mentioned that. He does it twice a year, once in Australia and once in the States. I've been to it. It was the most profound, utterly life-changing event I've ever experienced. Um, and I would highly recommend it for anyone. And so you had already been to one, which is what I found so fascinating. You had all these awesome breakthroughs. But you knew you allowed yourself to be called to go again just a few months later, halfway around the world in Australia. And it was a very last minute decision, but your soul knew you had to be there. And I'm just paraphrasing to catch us up. And so you get to share a breakthrough in front of the participants there, which was 1,500 people from all around the world. And now can you just share what that was like that was caught on video because everyone's got their phones out and it's a known thing. And if people get permission, it's, it's kind of like a honor code type of thing. Like if people want things to remain private, we, we, you know, the group tends to honor that. But if someone says, Hey, this can be shared, then the group tends to honor that, which is really remarkable. But that just shows you the potency and the connection of what truly happens in that room. So you find out that it's been recorded. And of course, you've already experienced it. But now take us from there. Yeah. And one of my great, like three of my friends recorded it. So they were all friends. They were all friends of mine. And they knew that I would want that. And so that was just one version. I have one that's of actually of me standing there, and she, the but the one that's actually of the monitor's best because you can see Tony's reaction and all of that too. And and um, but it was like wild because it was relationship day, and I have an awesome freaking marriage. Like it was the last. It was like, but you know, it was also the fourth day in or fifth day, fourth day in, and so I had put like all of day one, two, and three, and then four, like all of these things came together. And, and I realized, and it was really interesting because we were working on um, what it, what's, what is your relationship like now? What have you not been doing? What can you do better? And it was in your, I'm filling out in my book and I'm completely cerebral. Cause I'm like, I got this relationship thing down, you know, like my husband and I are great. And um, I'm writing shit like, excuse the language, but I'm writing stuff like, um, I'm going to step into my feminine and <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to serve him and all this crap, like this feminine masculine crap that may apply to a lot of other people, but it doesn't apply. It was not, it was just me in my head, like a, being a good student, you know, writing in this book. Then all of a sudden I just took a deep breath and Tony kept pushing us. He kept saying, now really think, what have you not been doing? What can you do better? What have you not been doing? What can you? And he's just like relentless. And um, my pen, like, I'm not kidding. It just started writing for me. Like it just, I, you can hardly even read my handwriting because I'm writing so fast. Like it, and I'm just letting go. And that's all it was. It was just me letting my ego just saying, I'm all, I'm out. I'm checking out. You know, you're broke. You, you've broken me down. I'm just going for it. And my, I'm just writing, writing. And it says all this stuff like God's glory and da, 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 and love and God's love for you. And it's just, I have no idea what's coming off of my pen. 
And then we get done and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just had a breakthrough. Like, and I knew like the second I did, I was like, I've got to share this. Cause like, this is like freaking awesome. Like, this is what I came for. And I didn't even know, like, I, I thought I went there for money mindset issues. <laughs> and, and then I walk away with this. Right. And so, um, so, you know, Tony calls on me and I'm just like, wow, like the breakthrough was that I had forgiven all these people. Like I've done all this external work. I'd forgiven these people. And, um, but I haven't forgiven myself. And I really have been, one of the things we talk about is like, you don't work hard for the love that's abundant, <laughs> like love that, you know, you're always going to get. Sometimes we forget to take it for granted, really earn it. Yeah. We take it for granted. And, and I just assume like my husband has always been there and he's never pressured me, you know, intimately ever knowing my history. Right. And, but I realized that, you know, it was still, I, like it was, I was not healed. Like I was not healed when, when we got, became intimate in bed, you know, it was not, I would replay that story and I would replay that movie in my mind. And then I wouldn't be able to enjoy myself because it would become like a control thing. And, and even worse, I wasn't even fully present. Mm -hmm. well, how could you be right? Yeah. And then I realized I was like, you know, you did all that work and you're still doing this and you're married to this amazing man who loves you so much and you're giving him that like, you're really, <laughs> Oh, you took it to the very nucleus of responsibility. Yeah. And I was just like, he loves you so much. And you, he, I saw it from like a three dimensional viewpoint. I saw like, you know, God looking down at him, you know, and saying, he, I put him, you on this planet to love him. And here you are letting these jerks destroy the beauty that I put you here for. You are here for him. He needs to feel the love that you have inside of you every minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, ugh. I just thought that's it. And then, and then I realized that, you know, for me, what's so important is authenticity. Like I've been addicted to it. I'm obsessed with it. I will, I refuse to be anything but myself. And, and, and I was like, wow, like I found leverage on myself to change because you can recognize something, but to change it, you have to have leverage. And the leverage I put on myself was that I wasn't being authentic by saying I had, I'd come full circle and I've, I'm glorified now after this rape when I was 14, like that was bullshit because I was still bringing it into my bedroom. Oh my God, but nobody would know it. Nobody would be able to see it or, or, you know, call you out on it because it was an inside job, but only you knew. I knew. Oh, it's unbelievably deep. Yep. And that's when I decided I have to completely delete this oh, story. Oh my goodness. And so what was that feeling like when you had that breakthrough? Describe that. Oh, it was like just freedom. Like freedom is the only thing like I'm free is what I, I think I said it a couple of times. Like I'm free, like I'm finally free. And it was the, the worst part was it wasn't the guys holding me captive. It was myself. It was your story. It's my story. Yeah. The story and the stories, guys. I mean, for those listening, like maybe you don't have something this traumatic, although we all do on some level. Everybody's fat role is their fat role. I've come to believe that. But we will make our stories define us to sabotage every bit of joy and fucking fulfillment if we allow ourselves and we don't check it. So that's what I love is that you checked it. And I have to... There was, there was a particular part where I was so blown away in, in, in this particular um, video that, again, it's on your website and on your YouTube, YouTube channel now, but it's when Tony asked you what need your story was meeting for you. Right. So that was totally not expected, right? I was not prepared. So it was awesome because like I thought I had a breakthrough and then I had even more of a breakthrough because... And you can see it in my face in the video that I'm like significance. I'm like, oh my gosh, because I'm not significance driven. Like I'm not a significance. I'm a love and connection and contribution kind of gal. Like what the heck, you know? And I'm like significance. And he was like, what was it about significance that you got? And I was like, well, it, 
you know, the story always made me feel unique and special. Oh, that's what just cracked my heart wide open. It was so honest. And it was, yeah, it was scary, like to even realize that. And, you know, because Tony knows how important it is to understand the core of of your change and why you're going to do it. And then the second was even, I think, more mind blowing because also because it was the other one was certainty. Which is another top human need that he talks about. Which is, you know, when you want, you need to know that things are going your way, or it's also a kind of a control type of thing too. But for me, I was like, well, because certainty, because then I would always be certain that if I replayed that movie in my head, I can get to a place of pain. Because like, I'm always full of and I'm always happy. But you know, sometimes you got to do like an emotion check. Like, do I have pain? Do I feel pain? You know, and so I could replay that movie and know, oh, yes, there's still pain there. You know, like, it was some like humanity check, like, like, pain was a criteria of being human. And then the other was, it was familiar. Yeah, it was familiar. And then this, and then the other, and then I was like, oh, wait, you know, it's like, I'm, I, and this was pretty mind blowing for me too, because it was, I said, it was also as certain ways. I was always certain I would have an excuse for failure. And it not being your fault. Right. But yeah, because I had this traumatic event and it caused me to be an alcoholic and now I have anxiety. I have issues, you know? So that's why I can't operate at the higher level that you, anyone would expect me to or myself. And Right. But it's not your fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> which, which is just, yes, so mind-blowing on so many levels because it's so deep and it's so honest and it's so authentic. And, and it's rare, but it's the truth, which is why the whole room went absolutely bananas and wild because they knew it. And when you feel something that you know is truthful, you get, you know, I always call it the truth bumps. And like, even though I've already seen this and I've heard it, I know your quote story, which now you have a whole new story. I still got the truth bumps because ah, when truth is spoken, there is a substance. It's, it's a, it's resounding, you know, it makes an impact. But so where do you now go with this story? What's the mindset needed to go where you really want to go? And I'd also love to know what that vision is. Yeah. You know, the mindset needed is because like I said, there's a deleting of the story. And what I've kind of been thinking about is like, well, you can't let go of that story. That, that story, that's part of your life. Like it's such a big part of your life, but you, you know, I can. And so I'm still on the journey because like you can literally feel like pain. Like I can feel like this crying in my heart of letting it go because I'm so addicted to it. Mm, you don't want to let go of it. Right. Like I feel this pain. <laughs> so it's like, how can I delete the story, but still use it to empower the journey to empower other people? But I don't want to revisit it all the time. Like, I, And I've always known I don't want to revisit it and revisit it. But but, you know, so the next chapter and, you know, the next, I guess, mindset for me is just truth, like to stand in your truth and to always be honest with yourself, because had I not had that level of honesty with myself, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's that and continuing to inspire other people to just change their story because I've done it. And like, not only have I done it, but I know how to do it. Yes. That's a huge mindset mechanic. Yeah. I mean, I've done the, I've done the work. And so you can change your story and all. So, I mean, there's so many ways, you, you know, everybody has their own story, but everybody can change it. And I feel like I'm a testimony now to that, that will give people more confidence that they can make the change. Without a doubt. And what I love it is going back to my whole, my fat role is like your fat role, you know, just to kind of break it down for what so many humans can relate to. Um, but it doesn't matter what your story is, right? Like, oh, our whole family's fat, it's genetics, or nobody in our family is successful or gets, you know, any sort of financial stability, or um, I'm held back health wise, it's just how it is in my family or whatever. We've got these stories that we become so addicted to. And I love one of Tony Robbins quotes, and I maybe paraphrasing right now but he talks about the only problem that we have is being addicted to our problems yes yeah and it's because your problems give us an, an identity and an excuse to not fully optimize our life in all the areas that would actually bring us fulfillment mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So that's what I love about you getting out there into the world and really living your truth and breaking free to such a deep, deep level that I'm sure will continue to, you know, ref be refined. And you'll, you know, I'm sure it's just been a week and a half. Um, but you've been on this journey now, like you've been getting the clarity. You've let go of the alcohol. You let go of the prescription drugs for the anxiety. How is your anxiety, by the way, now? I don't really have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> because anxiety, right? Anxiety comes from fear. So if you tackle the things that you were afraid of, what is there to be? What is why do you anxiety doesn't have a reason to exist? Yes. Anxiety, I always say, is just because the ego, which is edging out God, if people want to look at it that way, um, it's, it, you know, the, the anxiety is like, giving the ego an opportunity to say, no, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> I have to take control of this situation. I'm going to demand that you stay isolated in fear, worry, and doubt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise I'll have no purpose. Right, there's no purpose for anxiety in my life. And and it was my emotional home. I identified that, you know, prior to my, you know, date with destiny and, you know, other um, events and things. And it's not anymore. It's like, I just don't go there. My emotional home now is love. Like everything is love and grace and um and so what are some of the things that you tap into or that you do let's say your habits your rituals um any sort of routine that allows you to access the grace and the love well so every day um and it doesn't always happen before my day starts unfortunately I, sometimes I, I am human i get a late start on my day but um i always make sure i connect to to God, that's my creator. So I'd recommend to anybody to create to whatever your higher source is, like connect to that, because that's really where all of that, all of your energy, and that's where you really can start. What I see is like, I'm, I was, we're all in my, in my beliefs, we're all created in the image of God. So when we can connect with God or our creator, then we get a big, better view into our heart into who we are and why we're here. And um, yeah, I mean, you just you can hear, you know, love and grace and, you know, you don't, the feelings of guilt and shame and rejection and, you know, the fear, they don't come up when you're in that, in that kind of mental state. So I pray, I meditate um, at least 20 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour that I spend um, connecting and meditating. And I live like, literally like I live completely outside of myself. It's very strange, <laughs> but I don't live. And sometimes I'll creep back into JoLynn, right? And like, what does JoLynn need? What does she want? What and kind of do a U-turn back out and serve other people and realize that, you know, I'm just here to live like my existence of beauty and grace and give love to other people. Then it just keeps me in that state. Oh, it's about others, serving others and not about yourself and your old story that no longer serves you. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. And just in making progress, you know, just, um, you know, progress. I'll real quickly tell you my relationship vision after Date with Destiny in December was also very cerebral, but it was progress. I made progress and it was that I would step into my feminine and I would serve my husband's needs a hundred percent. Cause I knew, see, I knew then that I was not a hundred percent there. Right. This time my relationship vision, although it's like a whole page, but it really sums it up is that, um, my husband and I will breathe in the love that we have for each other, like the perfume of our souls. And so that's a lot different than action steps because <laughs> that's really all it is. It's like just inhaling like the love. And yeah, I, I learned that love is like the answer to everything. That's so true. Well, it's the opposite of fear. You can't experience fear and love at the same time. And speaking of, how has your, you know, next breakthrough of that story um, affected your relationship with your husband since returning home? Well, I mean, well, first off, you know, he was very, it brought us closer, just me sharing that, like he, 
sometimes I think our spouses or our significant others, like they think that we're going to come back and divorce them or break up with them or that we change so much, like, or that we don't think about them at all, you know? When we go to a big, you know, week long, you know, personal development program. Yeah. Right. Like, am I going to still fit in? (laughs) You're not going to change too much. are you? Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I came, I came back to, you know, a man who said, you know, the stronger you get, the more I fall in love with you. (laughs) Beautiful. And he's already in love with me. Like I don't have, there's no, just when you think, you know, there's not any more for him to give, you know, and then, you know, just intimacy is just beautiful and it's patient. Just doesn't have any like pressure to it at all. It's just, you know, it's just love. That's all. It's not anything else but that. It's just pure, you know, connection through love. And, you know, he's just been amazingly present, you know, even more present and just, yeah, it's, um, you know, still unfolding. Right. But so I'm excited to see kind of, gosh, you know, cause I know there's even more, <laughs> I know there's more cause that's just one layer. Um, of it. So yeah, it's been some, and another part of my relationship was that I wanted to have a relationship that made our children want to have like, cause our kids, you know, are all kids from divorced fam, both two divorced families now, you know, and they are like, Oh, we don't want to get married until we're like 40 or 30, or we don't want to have kids so late in life. And I think that's great, whatever, but I just don't think we've been very inspiring. And now, you know, I feel like we can do that because we are whole now. Show them what's possible through the power of love. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. So we're about to wrap up and, um, you know, so many people may or may not, you know, ever get to a Tony Robbins live event. Um, although there's so much information you can get like on a YouTube, you know, video or his podcast. But speaking of, What's a book or a podcast that you've recommended the most, especially in these last few years, as you've dug so deeply into your personal development? Oh, man, there are so many. So I read about two books a week. Wow. (laughs) So this will be big. This is a big one. Let's see. Um, How about like your top three, not to play favorites, because I'm sure there's so many good ones, but but you recommended the, the, the most. You're just like, you know what? This one just keeps coming up as you've got to read this. Yeah, the one I get all of my clients because I just don't know how you can live without it is the Untethered Soul. Oh, love it! Yeah, with um, by Michael Singer, and um, I just love it. I'm holding it right now; it's all tabbed out, and I have it on my desk. So obviously, that's one. Um, another, you know, what really helped me a great deal. I love Tim Ferriss because he covers just such a broad range of topics and. Um, but I love his four hour work week. It's, you know, it's been around for a long time, but I didn't pick it up until about a year and a half ago. I decide, I decided I wanted to have the, not the four hour work week, but I wanted to have the life where I could work and travel and not be stuck on a two week vacation schedule in corporate America. And so I incorporated so much of his book and now I've got, you know, like you just say, I went to Australia for 11 days, like on a whim, you know, cause I work for myself and I actually had did exactly what he said in the book to create that that um, financial and flex you know travel freedom. Um, so that and then you know I read the Bible every single day. So I my go to every you know doesn't really matter what you believe in you know I, it's all it's all you can find it all in this book. <laughs> so it's the best. It doesn't get better than that for you, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get much better. And then podcasts, um, you know, I, I have to be honest, I don't listen to a ton, but I do listen to, I'll like pull them up on YouTube and things like that. Um, I love Lewis Howes. He's one of our mentors, right? We love him. Um, he's got great gate, you know, speakers. And then Tim Ferriss, of course, um, I usually go in and search and then, um, you know, Oprah put her super soul Sunday on podcast. So I love it. And I listen to, to that quite a bit. Well, those are really good podcasts. Those are some of my very favorites and my go-tos on a daily basis. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And then yours, I can't wait to to listen to this. Yeah. I'm so excited that you're on. So two final questions as we um, really do begin to wrap up. 
So, so many people that we now know in our community and also just people that I'm meeting, especially, you know, I'm in my mid forties. So four decades later, you know, wanting to really change direction with what they thought would bring them fulfillment and or success into a mission of, I want to serve and I want to contribute and really make a difference in the lives of others. So I know many of those people will be listening because it's just so much of what my world is now. And I know yours too. So what, what would you suggest a budding you know, person, a budding coach would do to have a successful career as a coach? Oh, you know, I think I'm a big fan of content. (laughs) I mean, I think that people out there are looking for um, people that they can relate to. So one of the keys to my success is that people feel like they already know me, but before we get on the phone. Yes. Because there are so many places that they can go. And I'm in my true authentic self, fearlessly. So you have to stand fearlessly in your true authentic self because you don't want to have to fake it for 12 weeks or 24 weeks or a year with a client, right? So be completely yourself, create some videos. Don't try too hard, you know, just add value where you can and put it in places where people can get to know you. Um, I think that's the key. Just let people know you because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for connection. And there are so many coaches out there. There are so many people who are really great at what they do, but we're all unique and different in our own ways. And so it's important to share, to show that. To show exactly who you are, unfiltered and completely authentic, which is an ever evolving process. But the deeper and more real you get, the more that you probably, you know, attract and um, magnetize to you even more so the right clients, the right people. Yeah. My mission for this podcast is for people to be able to navigate toward fulfillment. So how would you describe what utter fulfillment is for you? You know, I'll answer that with a, a a friend of mine shared this with me actually yesterday because um, he and I both, you know, were talking about goals and things and um, we've defined billionaire, like billionaire status as something different. We've defined billionaire as that we've impacted a billion lives. Mm. And so that is what he and I, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're friends and accountability partners, and we share the same passion of serving and helping other people. So um, certainly being a billionaire with money would be amazing, but you know, we, that's our goal is just to impact a billion lives. Like that's a, that's one seventh of the planet, right? (laughs) So that's a lot of lives, but you know, that's, um, you know, that's success. And I guess backing off of that, you know, from there would be, you know, just, you know, it just, it warms my heart. Like I get, I, I really know that I'm what my true existence is on this planet when I've helped somebody and whether they're paying me or not as a coach, but when I see them share their pain and I know that I can help give them some insights to just give them a little hope, um, you know, that, is success for me. I mean, I'm, um, you know, waking up with my heart beating in the morning is still is success with me, you know, like it just, I think that we all strive, thrive too much. Um, in that if we can just kind of love what is, you know, love what is right in front of us and be present and love each other, then that's, we don't need to strive. That is so good. And that is it. I mean, that's like the whole theme of everything that you are on a mission to do, affecting a billion lives, making such a big impact. And truly, you know, in order for you to get that sense of fulfillment and know you have arrived is when you know that you can just love what is. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, where can we find you? Where would you want listeners to be able to just communicate with you and be able to see everything you're up to? Yeah. Well, my website is really a great one-stop shop. It has all my links to all my social media and videos and um, some content there. So I'd love for people to go there. It's just www.jolynnswafford.com. Instagram is a great place to connect with me. And that's just jolynnswafford on Instagram. And, you know, shoot me a message. Um, And then Facebook. But any of those are, are awesome. 
Yeah, love it. So, and we'll definitely add all that in the show notes. So anyone uh, who would like to reach out and connect, um, I highly encourage you to do that. I feel like we're all one big community and we need each other. And this is why I wanted you to come on and share your story because it's so beautiful and it's so rich as you've navigated your journey. And I think there's just so many touchstones throughout your, you know, four plus decades now too, of just okay, that was, there was that aha. And then there was that insight. And then it just continues to evolve because you're so committed to growing and then giving that back so that you can truly affect a billion lives. I love that term, billion. I love it. Um, anyway, it's just one yummy conversation. I love these podcast conversations because you get to catch up with your friend, but you also get to hopefully be of value and, and impact you know, listeners' hearts. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. And I love your mission and just have the biggest heart and know that you're going to impact millions or billions of lives yourself. So thank you. Oh, thank you. All right, guys, have a wonderful rest of your day and we will see you later. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.